meet uh, Dr. Eugene Thomas. And uh, it just happened that he wanted to do a, uh, a communion on Thursday night. There was, communion was important uh, to build up the audience and to minister to people and actually uh, taking the sacraments, the, the validity is just a, a powerful in the life of the believer. And we started. Amanda brought in a, a box with all kinds of things. She prepared the table with beautiful flowers and the, and the cross and the cup. And, and Dr. Thomas would minister. And after he ministered to everybody, he will give communion. Remember, he used to sing. He sing a song. How, how was it, Gene? Oh, it really depends on what he was singing. Sometimes we'd sing the liturgy. Holy, holy, holy Lord. Holy, holy, holy Lord. Remember that. And so, so we have with us this morning Dr. Gene Thomas. Gene, thank you for doing this for us. You're part of the rotation now. And, uh, and, uh, you're gonna come in very often. Okay, Rick. Go ahead, Got brother. You. All right. Good morning, my dear friend. <laughs> It's good to be able to see you through the camera. Even if I can't see you face to face, I can, can, but my imagination, reach out to you. And it's a joy to be here. It really is. I want to invoke a prayer from the Book of Common Prayer. Let me pray. Almighty and most merciful God, grant me beseech thee that by the indwelling of thy Holy Spirit we may be enlightened and strengthened for thy service. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the same Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. I'm going to enjoy you this morning. I'm going to enjoy myself. And I'm going to go and read to you some verses from Proverbs. And then try to just talk about it a little bit this morning with you. I'm going to read from the 15th chapter of the book of Proverbs. And the 13th verse. Says this: A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. The discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. All the days of the oppressed are wretched, but cheerful heart as a continual feast. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fatted calf with hatred. A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. 
And there is a reading for this day. This beautiful, sweet reading from the Proverbs. Proverbs is, you know, a, a book of proverbial sayings. Uh, it's called a part of the wisdom literature of the Bible. It's Psalms and Job and all those books there that have a lot of wise things in them. And interestingly enough, they're right in the middle of most Bibles. In other words, if you take your Bible and just look at the pages and break it right in half, break the Bible right in half, you're going to be right on top of the wisdom literature. You'll be looking at Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. These things are meant to be studied, done. See, this is the important part. You're not supposed to just intellectually look at it, but allow it to have an impact on your disposition. This was said by Martha Washington, George Washington's wife, beautiful woman, known for her beautiful countenance on her face. This is a decision, a choice that we have to make to be cheerful and joyful. Your philosopher Schopenhauer, a German fellow, dour and mean, but he, he's, part of his philosophy was that you ought to be cheerful just for cheerful sake. <laughs> he wasn't very cheerful. None of the students would much attend his courses because he was so mean looking all the time. Um, the, the reason for this fascination that I have with, with Proverbs is because I've got some time now to study the Bible that I didn't have before. I was stupid, running all around the neighborhood, doing different things, and I, now I can look at some of these sayings and more relish them more deeply. And so I share it with you today. There, there were these two ladies in church they just got a new preacher, and he was stupendous, intellectual man. You know, these intellectual preachers that can just to tell you so many wonderful things that you don't hardly understand. But these two ladies were discussing the new preacher's first sermon in their church. And uh, as they were leaving, about the preacher, she said, I don't know what he said, but he did now. He did. Well, sometimes you can be too deep. You can go so deep you need oxygen. And Proverbs is not like that. Proverbs, well, it's, it's relatively simple to understand. But it's still very deep. I want to just look at the first part of chapter 15, verse 13. It says, a joyful heart makes a cheerful face. A joyful heart makes a cheerful face. This text says that a cheerful face is caused by a joyful heart. Grace is a response to joy that is inside of us. Inside of us. This is the territory of the preaching philosopher C.S. Lewis. 
the inward being of a person when he wrote a book called Surprised by Joy. His Oxford dawn turned from atheism to Christianity, swiveling on this notion of he had found one of the deepest desires of his life and he was not even looking for it through the presence of Christian joy. But these days I I find myself having to wear a mask. You guys got the mask thing going? We do. It's for your protection and the protection of others. But having to wear the mask for protection has gotten me to thinking how especially important it is to show a smile to other people. And I don't have to go very far to do that. I can just show it to my wife. I get, yeah, I have, but I have to do it. I have to choose to do it because normally most of the time I just have a frown on my face. It's just automatic. If you leave me alone long enough, my face will fall right down. Like that. So I have to choose to smile. It's like you have to choose to have a cheerful heart. C.S. Lewis talked about that cheerful heart, how you had to have it and had to do it. I find myself smiling behind my mask, noticing how much I miss the smiles of others coming back to me. It's really an incredibly wise and deep thing to think about what, what you look like. I mean, we love mirrors. That, that's why I think sometimes in, in convents, the first thing you do is break all the mirrors so you don't look at yourself and, and let vanity take control of you. But the prettiest thing you can do to yourself is to put a smile on your face. If you go out and leave your smile at home, man, you've just left everything behind. It's a deep thing to think about. You know, when Jesus came into my heart, I did not look like the same person in the mirror. I went to church looking like one thing and came home looking like something else. Why? Because he came into my heart. That old hymn, since Jesus came into my heart, you know that thing, the old revival thing, since Jesus came in, such floods of joy, oh my soul, like the sea billows roll. And then hold on to that roll. <laughs> That's absolute truth. Great Christian theory of joy made manifest in him. I didn't know who I was when I was in the mirror. The Holy Spirit immediately convinced me that heaven was real. See, I always thought there was a lot of foolishness put out by a lot of old church ladies. It didn't have nothing better to do with their time. I didn't believe that mess. I thought that was pie in the sky when you die. I had no more religion than Karl Marx. The Holy Spirit convinced me. And Jesus had showed me so. But when I was converted, I... I, I, I I felt his power come through the top of my head and just go down to my whole body. It felt like somebody had plugged me into an electrical socket. As I fell to my knees, I heard the Spirit say to me, 
have I got to show you everything? And like a like a question, see, I've been fiddling around with with, with religion long enough, and the Lord just went, "Pow, that's your. There you go. You, you, have I got to show you everything? Hey, yo, here's a whole horse and the cart and everything. Take it right there. Boom, down I went. The next day after that church service was a Monday. I worked for my father in the trucking business. He looked at me as when I walked in the office and he said, what's wrong with you? I said, what? He said, you look different. You look different. Something's happened to you. What happened to you? And I began to explain to him what had happened to me. And he looked at me with a stern eye. My daddy was not a religious man. But he said, would you do me a favor? I said, what's that? He said, try to see if you can keep it to yourself. <laughs> and I couldn't because it just had exploded all over my Bob Tuttle, wonderful mother's theologian and teacher, Robert Tuttle. He, he, he wrote a book, On Broad Shoulders, We Stand. We stand on the, on the joy and shoulders of others. Oh, my. Bob Tuttle, man, joy. I, I love Bob Tuttle. I get the greatest kick out of him when he was a younger fellow. In fact, I took a, a class at Boston University just to sit under his feet for a little while. We, Bob Tuttle went to, to Brazil with Ricky, and I had the pleasure of being there and listening to him teach. And, and it, was, it was wonderful. Wonderful, man. Love, great love of God in him. Well, Monday became Tuesday. Tuesday became Wednesday. Wednesday became Thursday. But I still looked different. I was different. I wasn't too long leaving my home and going into the ministry and taking my young family with me. Matthew 5, 12 came true for me. And I could quote, Rejoice and be glad, for my reward was in heaven. I knew it was there. And I began to smile, man. I tell you what, I, I never had so much fun in all my life. Just like Louis Armstrong, you know, the great trumpet player with black fellow with sweat on his face and wiping his, wiping his forehead off as he played. When you're smiling, the whole world smiles with you. God, yeah, that's true. And it, and it is a particular Christian quality to brighten up a room, to make it better when you, when, when you went in and did when you went out. I don't think there's any smile more wonderful than that of a, of a disciple in love with Jesus. Their heart just flies out on their face. Bob Tuttle said your insides become your outsides. And it blesses the world. Whatever kind of world you're in. You know, if you smile behind a mask, sometimes I can spot it. Your eyes will take a different shape. They'll stretch. See how my eyes sit? See how mean looking they are? I take a walk sometime, and if I look at a dog mean when he's walking along on a leash with his owner, he looks up at me, and he looks at me. And if I look at him back, like, yeah, he's fine. But if I go like this, even though I got a mask on, he can tell. They have a sense of that. So, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. 
And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Oh, see, it's all the Christians singing and praying and living. Even the Book of Common Prayer this morning that I prayed from, that by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you may be enlightened after. Enlightened. Oh, well. But this is not an automatic response all the time. A smile, just like, just like your heart, just like your faith, is something you've got to do, see. You've got to make it happen yourself. And you can't just wait for it to automatically. You, you start by, by, by coming to your senses and knowing that your smile is one of the most overlooked gifts that a person has. It's very overlooked. And we, the Christian faith, has been changing this whole world one smile at a time since the church was born in Jerusalem. I, I sometimes wonder about the whole idea that, the, you know, the, the blood of the martyrs is, uh, martyrs is the seedbed of the church. I think sometimes the smile of the martyrs was really the seedbed of, of the faith. I think it was there. When you looked into the face of Paul and St. Peter, and you could see something different. He was no longer a fisherman. Paul was no longer a church-busting scholar. He was now, by his face, a child of the king. One smile at a time. With a simple choice of smiling rather than frowning, we can affect not only our own heart, but the quality of all those people that live around us all the time. How I remember my mother's smile. I remember her smile would just light up a room. My wife, her smile would just light up a football field. It's wonderful. Did you know, did you know that smiling lowers blood pressure, gives you a better mood, relieves stress, strengthens the immune system, lessens pain, and on top of that, it's contagious. <laughs> I love that. That's what the internet says when I Googled it up. <laughs> I love when you Google it. I believe people wanted to be around Jesus. They wanted to be around him. Because of the miracles he did, of course. Because of the wonderful teachings he had, certainly so. Certainly so. But I've known a lot of people with wonderful teachings. You know, man. And some of them even did miracles. But if they had a bad look on their face, they canceled it all that. Or as I'm concerned. But Jesus, well, now again, he was something to look at. Wasn't he? Oh, I, I, I just know he was. John tries to capture it. He says, in his opening, he says, he's full of, just full of grace and truth. See, he's, he's struggling for a way to just define that beautiful countenance of the Lord. Well, I hope that I encourage you today to, to let his smile shine through us and let our joyful hearts make our faces more cheerful. You do that, we'll, we'll be at the bottom of this text. Now, as a Jewish little thing, Jesus 
Prince of Peace, glory. Hallelujah. Jesus, Prince of Peace, glory. Hallelujah. King of kings and Lord of Lord, glory. Hallelujah. King of kings and Lord of Lord, glory. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, Prince of Peace, glory. Hallelujah. Jesus, Prince of Peace, glory. Hallelujah. Hear the Hebrew in that? Yeah. Off key. That's, that's the smile. That's the joy of Jesus in the Old Testament text. Thank you for letting me be with you today. It's joy to my heart. Thank you. Queima a impureza do meu ser Estrela alva brilha em mim Brilha a luz que inunda o meu viver 